So let's get into tonight's teaching. Man, I've enjoyed this. I hope that you're receiving uh, from the Lord as we're talking about Jesus is. You know, there's many things that we could say Jesus is. I could say he's my salvation. Somebody might say he is my healer. Somebody else would say that he's my strength. Somebody else would say he's my deliverance. We could keep going on and on and on. Matter of fact, I thought about making a whole list of the things that Jesus is. Most of you probably have them. But tonight, I want to deal in this area, Jesus is my shepherd. Jesus is my shepherd. And we're going to be looking at a couple of different passages of scripture from John chapter 10 and also from Psalms 23, the passage of, of the book of Psalms that I know that you are very, very familiar with. But before I talk about those scriptures, I, I was intrigued as I, as I was pursuing this. Now, I'm drawing resources from several different places. A lot of this is mine. Some of it isn't. You know that. And so we're, we're, we're gleaning. I don't feel like I have to reinvent the wheel. If somebody's got a great teaching, I'm going to steal notes from it, and I'm going to make it mine. And, and that's how we do a lot of times. Uh, but I, I was intrigued. I'm thinking, God, why through the scripture do you give a picture of your people as being sheep? I started thinking about that, looking at the word. I think every one of us, if we would have that question uh, you know, asked of us, we, we might think, well, that was the first animal uh, in the beginning when, when Adam sinned and, you know, he tried to cover himself that God came in the garden and he took an animal and he slayed him and put a covering upon Adam. Nothing tells us it was a sheep at all. We might even look at chapter 4 of, of Genesis where Cain and Abel brought an offering. Abel brought a blood offering. We there might again think about a sheep. I thought about that. I've always believed it was probably a sheep because the Bible says that Jesus is the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. So there's significance in sheep. Matter of fact, through the sacrifices of, of the Old Testament, of, of the tabernacle, sheep played a great role as sacrifices before the Lord. And there were other animals as well that was offered. So I have to believe there's a connection somewhere, you, you know, about sheep. So when I couldn't really come up with a solid answer, of course, I went to Google. So let's talk about what Google has to say. And looked at some other ministers that had done that same study, asked that same question. And I think I came up with... Eight valid reasons why God likened us as sheep. And if we don't understand this, we may not understand why uh, God calls himself, or Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The first thing about sheep, one of the characteristics of why I believe God identifies his people as sheep is simply this. Sheep have no sense of direction. What do you think the Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 53 and verse, verse 6? He says this, we like sheep, all of us like sheep have gone astray. We've wandered and we can't find our way back. They have no sense of direction. 
They will follow whoever is leading, even if it means they will fall off a cliff. Have you ever said this maybe to your child when they said, well, everybody's doing it? And then you would come along behind him just because they do. Are you going to do it? If they walk off the cliff, are you going to jump off the cliff? Well, sheep are like that. This was true, a true story in, in the country of Turkey and a documentary where a farmer or a shepherd had a herd of sheep and somehow the sheep got to moving and they come to a cliff area and 400 sheep went over the edge of that cliff and died. Problem being, there was 1,500 more behind him that all began to follow. Simply because the first four or the first 400 went over the cliff. The only good news, this was supposedly a true story in the documentary. Supposedly, the, the first 400 died, but the next of them survived because they all fell on top of the first 400 and it spared their life. Another shepherd took a, a, in England, I think it was, somewhere in that part of the country, did a little test with his sheep. Is that true? Will sheep follow anything? So he had them in a barn. He had them corralled in a barn, and he took a rope, and he tied it over the door just high enough that the sheep would have to jump over it. So guess what happened? He starts leading them out. What did the sheep do? They jumped over the rope. So about halfway through the herd coming out, somebody cuts the rope and lays it down. So guess what happens to the rest of the herd? You would think that they would walk straight through it, but they didn't. The rope was gone, but they're still jumping over the rope. Sheep will follow anything. They have to be led. They have no sense of direction on their own. Here's the second reason I believe that we have to have our sheep are likened. God likens us as sheep. They're defenseless. They really can't defend themselves well. They don't bite hard. They don't do like the other animals such as that, according to what I was researching. And the safest place for them to be, listen to this, the safest place for them to be is in the herd or the flock. I don't know if you call them a flock or herd. A flock, as long as they're together, that's the safest place for them. The strongest mechanism or defensive mechanism that they have or ability would be this. They can kick. And that happens to a lot of the people, a lot of the body of Christ. We kick against things. You remember, that kind of reminds me of something. When Saul, or his name is Paul now, was on the road and he has a visitation from the Lord. And what does, what does God, what does Jesus speak to him that day? He said, Saul, why are you kicking against me? Sometimes we're, we're not trying to defend ourselves. We're kicking against possibly what we don't like, what we don't see, what we don't understand. We're kicking against it. They are defenseless and must be cared for and protected. Here's the, third, here's the third reason. They can't get up without help. 
Now, he's not talking about them just squatting down. You know, we'll read in a moment out of the book of Psalms 23, verse 1 or 2. It says this, he maketh me lie down in green pastures. But this is what he's talking about. Periodically, once in a while, a sheep will get down and he will roll over and have all four up in the air. And once he gets in that position, he cannot get himself back over. He cannot get himself back up. So he has to have somebody come along and get him up. According to, to, the, uh, to, the, to the, you know, my research, this is called it for sheep being cast down. Those kind of remind me of some words where the apostle Paul said, we are cast down, but not, you know, isn't that something like what he says? They're cast down. So it would say a shepherd would use a sheep that is cast, meaning he is upside down and he is unable to get up on his own. I believe there's a lot of people that get in a posture, they get in a position, they get knocked down by the things of life, and they're not able to get themselves back up. Here's the fourth reason. Oh, let me back up to that one for a moment, the third one. If the shepherd doesn't come and pick him up, that sheep will lay there till he dies. He'll die in that position. Here's the fourth reason. Or fourth reason, they're very emotional and they can recognize the shepherd's voice. A remarkable instinct of sheep is they know their shepherd's voice. But yet they are, they are easily to get anxious and to get distressed. Very easily to get anxious and get distressed. But yet they have a great ability to build in a sense friendship or relationship somehow and to be able to stick together although they can get themselves divided their ability to know the shepherd's voice is an absolute must for the survival of a sheep here's the fifth one they are not meant to carry burdens these animals don't have that strength to carry that's why even for us as people we're not meant to carry some of the loads that we carry. I believe that's why things become so painful and become so hurtful for us, uh, you know, and so overwhelming because we're not meant to carry them. That's why the scripture tells us in the book of Matthew chapter 11, I believe it is, casting all of our care. That's uh, that's. Uh, is that, I think that's Peter's or James or Peter. But he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We're not designed to carry a load of burden. Here's the sixth thing. Boy, this is a good one. They will settle for less. Instead of going to a good, clear stream of water to drink, if they come up on a, on a dirty a muddy a puddle of water, they will stop there and they'll drink instead of moving towards that which is clear. Now, I'm not an expert at this. I'm just talking what the research I found. Some of you may know something about sheep I don't, and that's okay, and I'll correct it if I got this all, the, all wrong. 
but these are guys that have done some research. A lot of times, a lot of God's people settle for less instead of pursuing the very best from the Lord that we can get. Here's the eighth reason, or here's the seventh reason. They are valuable. You don't realize how valuable each of us are. If a man was considered to have a flock of sheep, he was considered to be a wealthy man because sheep provided meat. It provided milk. It provided wool. It provided offspring. It was his livelihood. It would produce for him. There was value, even though they were weak and unable to do certain things, yet they were very valuable to the one that owned them. Here's the last one I'll give you at the moment is the eighth one. And it says, they cannot care for their wounds like other animals do. Other animals, when they get, when they get wounded, they can lick their wounds, but not sheep. Dogs will lick their wounds and there's some process of healing. I don't understand that, but some animals, there's a process of healing, but not in sheep. In order to be healed, they need the covering, they need the work of the shepherd in their life to take care of them. So he likened us as sheep. So to understand the Lord is my shepherd, or Jesus is my, my shepherd, we, we need to understand. I don't know about you, but I saw a lot of that in the nature of how we are, of how people are. And how desperately we need, we need the Lord. That's why, you know when it said, uh, that one that says they will settle for less, something like that. Uh, that's why one of our values, our core values that we've set, and it's always been this way before. We just have not spoken as loud or as often. But it's always been in my heart to bring people to the fullness of Jesus Christ in every area of our life. If this Bible says I can be healthy, why not be healthy? If this Bible says I can be wealthy, why not be wealthy? If this Bible says I can have peace all the time, then why not have peace? If this Bible says I can have strength, then why not? We want to see you come to the fullness of, of who Jesus is in every area of your life. Listen, Jesus didn't save any of us to live us in the ruins of what sin did to us. Let me say that to you again. Jesus didn't save any of us to leave us in the ruins of what sin did for us. I believe that's why at one point he says to, he says to uh, one man at the pool of Bethesda, when he speaks to him, he said, Now, take up your bed and get out of here. Go and sin no more, lest a greater than that comes upon you. Because God saves us. Here's what happens to a lot of us, a lot of people. God saves us, and we stay in the same bed of affliction, even though I'm on my way to heaven now. God didn't save you to leave you there. He saved you to transform you your life. He always did that. Hello. When, when he called Lazarus up out of the tomb, he didn't call Lazarus to walk around in grave, grave clothes. He said, get those things off of him. And some of us need to get the grave clothes off. Some of us need to get the stuff of, of despair of what sin did for us. We need to get it off. Pastor, I would if I knew how. The first thing you need to know is, is that God has given the power that those things can be removed. You do not have to wear them any longer. That's a message for another night. 
But the reality is that's where we want to see you come. That's why we laid our values out. Jesus is the center. He's the center. You and I got to talk this more. We need to pray these things more. That Jesus is the center of everything we do. We are a spirit-led people. We are following him. I believe he will direct my paths in every situation. Church, we are better together. We are better together. Man, if this is all true, we've got to have each other. You're not going to make it without me, and I can't make it without you. We've got to have each other. We believe in this God that there's no limits. He's going to take care of us in every situation. And we're going to honor up and honor down and all around because we believe that every person in this room is valuable. And we're pursuing excellence. I don't want to drink out of the water, out of the muddy water. I want to drink from the clear streams of the Lord. Hello. And we're going to be generous because we're going to keep pouring out until everybody is blessed. I believe that with all of my heart. Now I want you to go with me real quickly to the book of John chapter, chapter 10. Y'all, Jesus, out of the book of John, John is probably one of, one of the books of the Bible everybody ought to read. Go through it, read it through, go through it again. Because it talks so much about the love and the grace and who Jesus really is. But in John chapter 9, I'm going to 10, but I'm going to give you the story of John chapter 9. John chapter 9 is the story of a blind man that when Jesus and his disciples came to him, his disciples asked them this question. Y'all remember this question? Who sinned, him or his parents? In other words, they're asking, why is this sickness on him? And Jesus said, neither one, this is but for the glory of God. And so, but they said, we know this man is a sinner. And so Jesus opens his eyes. Jesus opened his eyes. They were actually talking about Jesus at that moment. Jesus opened the man's eyes. You remember he took mud, he sped in the ground, put mud, put on his eyes, and then he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And when he went and washed, he was made whole. Now you would think, I think one of our brethren, I think it was Pastor Richie brought this up on Sunday morning, used this very, I think this very story. Uh, of the fact that you would think everybody would jump up and down because here's a man that is blind. Not only is he blind, but he's living the life of a beggar, a life that God never intended for anyone of us to live. That's true. He didn't. And so this man is blind and he's been healed. You would thought everybody would rejoice, but they didn't rejoice. Because when they found out that he was healed, the Pharisees spoke up and said, how did this happen? And the reason they asked that, it was because it was on the Sabbath day. And they're questioning, who done this to you? Who is this that healed you? Are you sure you were blind? They even went as far as to get his parents and bring them. And out of fear, out of fear of being an outcast, of being cast out, they said, he's of age, let him answer for himself. Yes, this is our son, and he was born blind, and that's all they would answer. And finally, when they kept pursuing the man, this is what the scripture said, if I read it right, they cast him out of the synagogue, which meant that wasn't a pretty picture. 
That meant they were separating themselves from him. This man is blasphemous now. And now they're looking at Jesus and Jesus explaining to them who he is. And they're trying to figure out, Jesus, are you the son of God? And Jesus goes on and he tells them, I've been talking to you, but you're as blind as he is. And then he says in chapter 10, he says these words, verse 1. Follow with me for just a moment. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So the first thing that Jesus talks about here, he really gives us a picture of a couple different things, a door and a shepherd. And he talks about, first of all, who's able to go into the sheepfold. Now you and I, not being around sheep, probably don't catch all these pictures and it's still a struggle for me. But evidently, they've been put in like a pen, and they belong to somebody else. And so nobody has a right to them unless the porter or the owner of the sheep opens the door. And so Jesus said, if anybody tries to get in in any other way except that one open the door. And he's talking about the father opening the door for him that gave him the privilege to say, I am the door of the sheep one, but I am the shepherd as well. In a few minutes, he turns the story and he starts telling that he's the door. And by me, do they come in and go out? And he's talking about life. He's talking about them being able to live and be protected and have what they have need of and to be able to live the life. And he said, unless somebody comes up any other way, they are as thieves and robbers. That's why he said in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Notice what he said. I didn't come just to give you life. I've come to give you abundant life beyond what you could imagine. Most assuredly. Remember, he's speaking to these Pharisees because they're the thieves and the robbers. Their religious activity, their religious ideas of not believing, of not receiving what heaven is doing, what the Father has released into the earth, that the Son has come, the Messiah, the one that they've been waiting upon. They have not seen him. They're blind and doesn't realize it. But Jesus said, I am the only one. I think it's in John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He said, I am the way. I'm the only way. If you're going to make it to the Father, you got to come by me. There's no other way. It's not through our duty. It's not through everything that we make it to be. Jesus said, there's only way, one way in. I'm that way. I am that door of the sheep. Here's the second thing. He said, I'm the truth. This is the truth. There's a lot of things trying to tell you differently, but he said, this is the absolute. I'm the truth, and I am the very life itself. I'm the one that gives it all. And that's just only a small fraction of what that passage would actually mean. So Jesus said, I am, I am the door. By me, do they enter in? Do they come in and they find pastures? He said in verse 
Verse 4, he said, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. Listen to this. And the sheep follow him, and they know his voice, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will follow, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And the word said that Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand. And then in verse 7, he speaks those words again, most assuredly. Without question, without doubt, it's absolute. I am the door of the sheep. Whoever come before me is thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enter in by me, it enters in by me, he will be saved, but who go in but will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal. But Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Now, again, keep in mind, we're talking flocks. We're talking flocks of sheep, and we're talking about their protection. And a lot of times, this is what would happen. In the evening time, they would bring those sheep out of the field and kind of pin them, put them in a pen. And a lot of times, those pens were nothing more than piled up rocks. If you go into that part of the world, especially where we've been in England and Wales, you'll find a lot of the fields are marked off by rocks that they picked up and stacked up. That's their, what we would put bob wire and everything. They used rocks. But this is what the shepherd would do when he said, I'm the door. He would lay across the door and nothing could get into those ship, into those sheep unless it came through him. That's why he said, I'm the door. If they're going to find pasture, if they're going to find protection, they come in and they come out through me. And then he goes on. He said, I'm just not a shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I go above and beyond. What makes him good? Because he said, I'll lay down my life for the sheep. But then he turns around and he talks about a hireling. Now, evidently, there were people that were watching the sheep. And he talked about a hireling. And he said, this is what a hireling does. Yeah, he's there with the sheep. But when trouble comes, when the wolf comes to destroy the sheep, instead of defending the sheep and trying to protect them, he flees. He goes away and he leaves the sheep uncovered, unprotected. But again, he said, I'm the good shepherd. And I know my sheep. I give my life for my sheep. Verse 16, there's too much here for me to go through. I want to get into Psalms 23 real quick. He said, and other sheep, he said, I'm the good shepherd, verse 14, and I know my sheep and I know by my own. Boy, that's a good, that's a good point right there. I know my sheep. Not only does he know them, I found this out through this research that most shepherds name their sheep like you would name your pet. They gave name, they knew their sheep. It's interesting if you go into that part of the world, what it says, you, you know, it talked about to understand this again. You might go into a field where there may be three or four herds of sheep and several different shepherds. So the day would come or the time of day when he needed to go back and take them and corral them for the evening. He would make a sound of some kind. He may whistle. He may say, you, you know, just, hey. And all of his sheep would follow his voice. One of the other sheep could shout that same voice. They wouldn't follow, but the sheep that belonged to them would follow his voice. 
He said, I know my sheep and I am known of mine. How important it is for us to know as the shepherd, he knows everything about you. He knows your weakness. That's why Isaiah said, I think it's around Isaiah, maybe around chapter 40, 41, somewhere thereabouts. He said, he knows our name. He knows us so distinctly and so greatly. Now let's turn to Psalms 23. Are you okay? I hope you're receiving something. Psalms 23, you know this passage real well. I found it interesting. I was trying to find some of it, and I couldn't find it. But I remember right after the first of the year, I don't know how many Facebook posts from I don't know how many different ministries that this was posted was Isaiah or was Psalms 23. And it walked through a breakdown of what each one of those meant. I couldn't find that, so we're going a different route. It's okay. All of it was good. But I thought, Lord, okay, you're, you're trying to tell your church something that you are going to take care of them. You know this passage real well. I don't think I have to read it to you, but, but I will just for the sake of it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord or the presence of the Lord forever. Three things here I want to bring through Psalms 23. Three keys that I want to give to you. The first thing that he says, he provides what we need. First thing that he said, he said, I will provide. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He provides what we need. Now, in one sense, I believe that's everything. I don't think that there's anything that he can't provide for us. He knows what we have need of. But I believe there are three distinct things that we're going to use as subtitles under that found in the first three verses or the next two verses. The first one is this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Notice that word. He makes me. He brings me to a place and makes me lie down in green pastures. There's a thing that you need that you may not realize it, but you need rest. He makes us come. He brings one of the great needs that we have is rest. He, I'm not talking about laying down and taking a nap. I'm talking about resting from the toil and all the stuff that is pressing on in life. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. In other words, he brings me to a place of contentment and peace. I'm not worried. I'm not anxious. I'm not in distress about all this. But as my shepherd, he will give me an assurance that I, I, I can rest and he will provide whatever I have need of. Listen, I believe. I heard one of the ministers, I'll take this from him, that talked about 
uh, what we needed in this, in, this, in this passage was how important that we need one another, but we need to come collectively into the house of God to a worship service and be fed the word. Because in that place, in the place of worship, he calms us. At the place of the word, he feeds us. Well, Pastor, I didn't, sometimes you just, sometimes you need to come at, well, Pastor, you, you know, there's a lot about said about worship and, and I, I love to worship. You know that, but you remember when Saul was distressed, you remember when an evil spirit came upon King Saul, the first thing he said, bring me a minstrel, get me somebody that can worship because the moment it did, it began to bring calm to his life. I want to say to all my friends that are still staying at home, I'm not throwing a rock at you, but I'm telling you, you're missing out in something by not being in the presence of God. And sometimes you may be overwhelmed. And, and, and I've learned this even sometimes in prayer. I've had people come, Pastor, shut up. Just shut up. Don't say a word. Just receive. Sometimes when you're weary, you're bound up and everything is coming. You just need to get in a posture. Lord, I'm here to receive and let the worship of others, let the worship of what's coming off of this platform, let it be a cleansing factor to your soul. Let it be a calming to what you need. And then the word of God. I love what Dr. Uh, our brother David Parrish said the other day, or David uh, Richie Clendenin said from Dr. Parrish, I remember the years he talked about the revivals at, at, at Christian Fellowship. I, I went to several of those, those meetings when Holy Ghost was being poured out and things were happening. So many people were being filled with the Spirit. Y'all have to know, I know many of y'all don't know who I'm talking about, but uh, you, you know David Parrish and Brother Parrish, and they were both scholarly men. David is the son, and he's kind of a you know, kind of a heavy guy, I'd say it like that. Great guy, a real, I mean, a real brain. He's the guy that wears the pins in his pocket up here and all of that. And it would be so funny that David would get so filled, so drunk in the Holy Ghost, he'd be on the platform and roll down the steps. And he would lay at the bottom and just laugh and get up and crawl to the top and do it again. And, and but, I can't explain that. And I mean, people were experiencing God in ways that they had never experienced before. But Dr. Parrish understood one thing. He said to him, and you heard Brother uh, Richie say that the other morning, you guys can run, you can dance, you can shout, you can roll in the floor. But he said, when you're done, I'm going to preach to you for 45 minutes and bring the word. Because he realized what was going to get them through every situation it wasn't the ooey-gooey's up their back. You got to have the word on the inside. He makes me lie down. Here's the second thing under that. He provides what I need. He provides, rest, he provides restoration for my soul. He knows how to restore. He knows how to put me back, get my motions back in check. Track. Remember, sheep are easily anxious and distressed. He restores my soul if you will let him. He will restore our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions. And here's, here's the third thing under that. He leads me in righteousness. 
In other words, he leads me in the right way to go. He'll never lead me wrong. He'll never lead me out of his will or out of his plan. And notice something. He doesn't drive. He leads. If you're feeling driven, you've got a problem. You better check. if you're, Pastor, I just feel this drive. That's not the nature of God. That may be your flesh, but it's not God. He leads us. He leads us in righteousness for his name's sake. They never drive. The shepherd would always be before them. He gives us rest. You know, I, I, a year ago, I, done a, uh, I, I, I don't know why I got into it, but I got into the tabernacle prayer. And I was listening to this small pastor from Korea named Young E. Cho. You know, with just a million people. And every day he prays. He prayed. He's gone to be with the Lord now. He would pray sometimes seven or eight hours a day, all day. And I watched an interview of him, why he prayed. Now, most of us pray to get. He said, I didn't pray because I was trying to get God to do anything. He said, God had already told me what he wanted me to do. And had already told, it me, told me that he would provide. So he said, the reason I prayed, and I prayed through the tabernacle, he said, I was praying and putting my faith, as Pastor John taught us on Saturday evening, of what God has already done at the cross that he completed through Christ. He said, I prayed so I could keep myself myself mindful and I would have what I I would have within me the ability to do what God had assigned me to do. So when he causes us to rest, he is giving us what we need to fulfill his purpose. See, I believe most of us have the wrong idea of what we do at night when we lay down to go to sleep. Most of us lay down because we're wore out. But we lay down to rest so that we'll have strength to fulfill the purpose of God for the next day. But we don't ever think about it that way. We think, I'm just tired. But he causes me to rest. Here's the second thing he does. He protects. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I didn't know this, but I heard this, and this is so cool. Our biggest fear, our biggest fear is death. It's death. Well, I hate spiders. It's not really the spider. It's what the spider would do to you that make you die. Somebody, I was talking to somebody just this, this week said they, oh, today, talking about his, this man that loves to skydive. And, and the guy was talking to him, I'd like to do that someday. You ain't going to get me doing that. I, got, I could say I've got a fear of height, and the only way they're going to get me out of that airplane they're going to have to inject me with something or shove me out because we ain't going. But I've been up there and looked down. It's really not that. It's as much as what's going to happen when I hit the ground. It's the idea of dying. But he said, I'm going to walk through this because you're going to feel like the problem and the issues that are, you're dealing with are going to cause you in a sense to die. But the Lord said, I'm going to walk through this valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Here's the key. For you are with me. 
He said, I'm going to be with you. I'm in this thing with you. I'm walking with you. He's with us through the battle. And then he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now here's something, church, I think we ought to really put a little bit of focus. The rod and staff. Because many times we think the rod and staff is for us. And the rod and the staff was to to wart off, was to put a knot on the head of a wolf or anything that would come against the people of God. I don't know about you. I never got comforted when my dad stood up and pulled that belt off. That never brought a calm to me. Hello. But we got this idea that if God beats me a little bit, that's going to comfort my heart. That's not what he's talking about in this passage of Scripture. His rod and his staff, it's just knowing that he's positioned, he's got what he needs. If that wolf or a lion or whatever would come, he's going to fight it off for me. He uses that on my enemy. May I declare to you tonight that Jesus was bruised for you. Isaiah 53, 5 said, He was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity. So Jesus has taken my beating. He also blesses us in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the hardship. How does he do it? He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Notice, he said, I'm going to set you down and feed you and your enemy all around you. Note this, that sometimes God calms the storm and sometimes God lets the storm alone and he calms you down in the midst of it. Hello, storm's still there, but he, everything's going to be okay. He calms you down. He prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemy. And then he refreshes us in the middle of the battle. He anoints our head with oil. My cup runs over. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. The oil speaks of the anointing. It speaks of refreshing. And the cup speaks that he strengthens me in the midst of that dark time that I'm walking through. He knows how to protect me. You and I have to understand we're just conduits to everything that God wants to do. He brings it into the earth through some of us. Here's the last thing, and I'll land my jet with this tonight. He makes us promises. And he says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You realize that's a promise? Goodness and mercy. Well, pastor, I don't see it. it. Whether you see it or not, it's there. It's a promise of God. It's a promise of the Lord. He promises that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Not only does he promise us goodness and mercy, but he promises eternal life. In the book of 1 John chapter 2 and verse 25, he said, This is the promise he has promised us, eternal life. And that word follow actually means it's chasing me down. Goodness and mercy. God's that can only come from him. 
is chasing me down on a daily basis. I believe these are things that we need to profess. I was in here praying early yesterday. And I do this period, I mean pray more, but I do this kind of prayer periodically that, that I came in. And I just kind of felt, Miss Judy, I walked through all of the generational stuff again against my family, things that have been spoken. I said, God, those bad things that have been spoken against my family, against me. Oh, and I went on to say this, Lord, even the stuff coming out of my mouth. And the mouth coming out, the, the stuff coming out of my kid's mouth and my, my, my wife's mouth. Lord, I, I repent of that. And we cast those things down to the ground because your word said, goodness and mercy. That's what I need to be. Oh, nothing good happens to me. Sorry, you're not talking like a child of God listening to a shepherd. Because the shepherd, I said, I have promised you good. Remember, he said, I gave my life for you. I gave my life. Listen, friend, he didn't give his life for you to be overtaken. He gave his life for you to be brought into all of the blessings and the goodness and all of the mercy that heaven can afford. I want to close with this last verse out of Ezekiel. Verse 34 and verse 11, if you can put it up there for me in verse 12. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself search for my sheep, and I seek them out. I love that. He's always pursuing me more than I'm pursuing him. He said, I seek, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is scattered, on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they are scattered on a cloudy and dark day. Now I want you to think about that part right there. What was he talking about on a cloudy and dark day? Let's go to that day that Jesus hung on that cross. It's midday. And all of a sudden, if I remember right, and somebody correct me, I'll correct it right here. That the cloud grew, that the sky grew dark. Clouds begin to cover. And the sky began to fill with darkness on a cloudy day. Jesus died on that cross, and that's what he was talking about right there. I found you to bring you back. I don't care what you've done, how far you got scattered, what the enemy done, but on that day, on that cloudy day, I hung suspended between heaven and earth, and I gave my life so that you could live forever, that you wouldn't have to be sick, you wouldn't have to be poor, you wouldn't have to be lost, you wouldn't have to be alone, you wouldn't have to be torn. Tormented. He said, I completed that work on that cross on that cloudy, dark day. He said, I'd done that for you. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He has pr promised me. He has promised me to provide for me, to protect us, and to see that we got eternal life. 
Why in the world are we an anxious and fearful people if we really understood? No matter what comes on this planet right now. I had somebody tell me the other day, a minister said, I still believe there's going to be some dark things come. I, I don't question that. Who, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? But I got an idea. God knows where we are, and he's going to take care of his people because he knows without him we won't be able to make it. But I'm going to rest, Matt, in the strength of my good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Come on and stand with me tonight. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Why don't you lift your hands to the Lord just a moment? And just thank him for being such a good shepherd to you. Father, I thank you that you are my provider. You are my protector. You are my everything, everything and all that I'll ever need, God. You are. I believe that. I declare that tonight, God, over every person in here. Father, I pray tonight that, Lord, that we will get our eyes so fixed upon you, Jesus, that our, we are so fixed upon who you are and know who you are that God you have already paid the price you said in John 10 that you laid your life down freely for all of us nobody took your life you said I laid it down for the life of my sheep that's how valuable everyone in this room is and those that are watching me at home tonight I declare that over your life tonight Lo shate be shamakaya. Father, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation now. Fill us with your understanding to know the hope of your calling, the riches of your glory, Father, that is in us, that we are not walking blind. We're not walking as beggars. We're not walking, God, as those who have no hope, but we're walking in the peace and the comfort. We are resting tonight, assured that no no matter what comes, God, you are going to take care of your people. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you for it, Jesus.